0: Today's reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 to 27. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. What about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is God's word.
1: Let's pray together. Our Father God, we, we need your help, not so much to understand the words of the Bible this evening, for they are clear, but... Uh, they, go, uh, they go very much against how we want to live. And so we pray that you would give us hearts that trust your promises so that we might obey your words and follow your Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. I cannot think of anything that Jesus says that goes more against the grain of our culture, that resonates less with the spirit of our age than the words that he speaks at the heart of this passage. For he says to everyone and anyone who would put their trust in him, who would follow him, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Now, we are a culture that has put self at the very heart of things. We, we're about the individual, not the community. We're a culture of self-fulfillment, of self-worth, self-actualization of self-preservation, self-expression, self-promotion, self-love. And Jesus says, come follow me and live your life denying yourself. We're We're a culture whose gods are comfort and security and pleasure. And Jesus says, come live a life taking up your cross daily. Now, we're told to avoid public transport at the moment. So I've been on my bike a little bit more and uh, last week I found myself cycling into a really strong headwind and it was just about impossible to make any progress on a trendy fixed gear bike and being very catastrophically unfit. It was just about impossible to keep going. Now the wind of our culture blows with hurricane force against Jesus' teaching here, making it very hard for us to obey. And that proverbial wind blows inside the church as much as outside the church. So, so we Christians, we've domesticated and dumbed down Jesus' words. We've, we've turned self-denial into giving up processed sugars or social media. Bearing your cross is uh, putting up with a, with a bad back without complaining too much. Or we've decided that actually there's a scale here and you can decide how much you want to buy into what Jesus says. You, you can decide quite how much you want to, uh, to deny yourself and how much you want to give things up. But I hope that tonight we will see quite how radical and uncompromising Jesus' teaching truly is. So why do it? Why do it? Why give up yourself, give up your life to follow Jesus? If you don't have a clear answer to that, then you will never cross the threshold and put your trust in Jesus. Or if you do, then your Christian life will be marked by a joyless resentment that just makes the years drudgery and toil. The answer that we find in this passage is do it, take up the cross and deny yourself, because both you and others will gain far more than you will give up in eternity, but also, but also actually in this life too. You see, it's not a choice between uh, deny yourself or find fulfillment, between choose comfort and choose misery, choose life or choose death. Those are easy choices. It's the choice between when do you want to receive those good things and who do you look to to provide them? Jesus calls us, give up what you have. Give up what you can get with your strength and trust instead in him, in what he provides, all that we need in this life and far more than we can even begin to imagine in the eternity that is to come. Now, this is the climax of the, of the early part of Luke. Uh, Jesus has been teaching and working in the up north in his home region of Galilee. And his teaching and his miracles have been building up this picture of who he is. And finally, finally, in verse 20, the, the penny is dropped for the disciples. And Peter declares, you are God's Messiah. He, he's understood Jesus is the long promised saviour king who has come to rescue us from sin and from death. Now, the focus shifts from who Jesus is to how he will carry out his mission. And also, especially in this section, what it means to be a disciple, what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And here at the outset, he says, look, discipleship begins with denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. The pattern of the kingdom is cross first, then crown, cross, then crown. Firstly, cross first for King Jesus, verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this, that is, who he is, the Messiah, to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He says, look, the the very first thing you need to know The very first thing that I'm going to teach you, if you're going to be in any sense, faithful, truthful witnesses, proclaiming the good news about the Messiah, the first thing you need to know is that the Messiah has come to be rejected and to die. He said, look, you can't be trusted to to speak about me until you get this. That's why he silences them and says, don't tell anybody at this point in time. See, Jesus has demonstrated already he has the power to heal any sickness, even raise the dead. Jesus has commanded the untamable forces of nature and they obey him like a a well-trained sheepdog. Jesus has confronted entire legions of murderous demons and had them whimpering, cowering and fleeing in terror. As for leading the people, well, his words are are so compelling that thousands upon thousands follow him out into the wilderness and forget even to eat because they're so intoxicated by his teaching all day long. So it's no surprise that Peter recognizes you are the Messiah. But Jesus says, look, I'm not going to Jerusalem on a crest of, uh, uh, of a wave of popular opinion to take the throne and bring in my heavenly rule." She says, no, instead, I'm going to Jerusalem to be humiliated, rejected by the leaders of God's people, and to be put to death. (laughs) It just makes no sense, actually, when you think about it. It, It's like, uh, imagine you meet somebody, you think, oh, I I kind of recognize you. I mean, you could be a relative. I haven't seen people for so long in lockdown. But, oh, no, it's Jeff Bezos. You're the owner of Amazon. Wow. I, shouldn't you be at home counting all the billions you've made in the last few months or delivering my bread maker or something? And he, he says, oh no, I, I'm just off to court to be declared bankrupt. What? Uh, it just it just makes no sense. Okay, why is it that that Jesus can't just take the throne and establish his kingdom now? He's been showing he's got the power to do it for nine whole chapters. Well, If Jesus established his perfect rule of justice, of peace, of health and of life right now, he would have to get rid of everything and anything that causes misery, pain or evil in this world. You see, the the good God, the just God must punish all that is wicked, must get rid of all that causes suffering if he's going to bring in his perfect kingdom. And if we're honest... In our different ways, that means not a single one of us can claim we would have a right to be part of that kingdom. See, Jesus knows the only possible way for him to get rid of evil without getting rid of us is for him to absorb the consequences of our evil behaviour. To to take the punishment we deserve for our, our hatred, our selfishness, and our perversion, to take all the punishment deserved by that upon himself on the cross, so that we can be forgiven and transformed and welcomed into his kingdom. That's why King Jesus' victorious triumph over evil and sin and death that's why Jesus earthly mission the first time he came was all about being killed suffering being rejected and being killed when he returns the second time when he comes back from heaven then he will establish the perfect rule that he has been painting a picture of giving a trailer for in the early chapters See, Jesus was willing to suffer the rejection, the humiliation and the death on the cross that we read about here so that he could win for you acceptance as God's children, a share of his heavenly glory and the eternal paradise kingdom. It doesn't explain it here, but that's what we'll see as we go through Luke. Jesus has come to die because he'll do something unique. He will suffer in our place so that he can win for us eternal glory. But, it should not not surprise us that he goes on to say that the followers of this king who goes to the cross must also share that same path. So secondly, it's cross first for followers of King Jesus. Verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. As for the leader, so for his followers. Whoever. This is basic, no-frills, entry-level Christianity for all of us. Then there are three imperatives, uh, three commands in verse 23. And grammatically, the first two, they prepare for, for the third. It's like denying yourself and taking up your cross daily are the clothes, the equipment that you put on so that you are ready for the journey of going out following Jesus Christ. But it is unthinkably extreme I mean, the cross was a symbol of absolute horror at the time. It was the most humiliating, degrading, agonizing death humans had ever invented. If you saw somebody carrying a cross at that time, it was a sign of their complete shame and submission to Roman power. If you saw somebody carrying their cross, they were a dead man. There's no coming back. They had forfeit everything. And the word Jesus uses for life here is not just biological existence, it's sukkah, self. It is everything and anything I have and I am. To follow Jesus is to give up all my rights over myself, my decisions, my relationships, my money, my life, everything. And to be willing to suffer anything that comes my way as part of following him. It is so extreme, so unthinkable that we, we struggle to work out what on earth can it mean practically? Well, sometimes and in some places, it means literally dying for Jesus Christ, giving up our physical life. Uh, that's true even today in, in many parts of the world, actually. At other times, the costs might be more financial or social or relational or in terms of the desires we have to, to not fulfill. But there will be times when following Jesus feels like it, it means denying your very self, crucifying desires that, that are deep in your very heart. And there will be times when it feels hard and painful and we, and we struggle to understand how on earth this can be right. At the most basic level, uh, just to be known openly among your colleagues or coursemates uh, as a Christian these days is increasingly costly for many of you I know. In the past, the, the foundation of our country's values was broadly Christian, even if most people didn't, didn't live them out. But now, to stand with Jesus means to stand out. It means to, to hold values that are seen as weird, uh, different, even intolerant, dangerous, or positively immoral. It's not easy to find yourself on the outside, mocked, excluded, rejected. So why do it? Well, in part do it because the only way to follow the Jesus who denied himself and took up a literal cross, pouring out himself to serve and save us, the only way to follow him is to follow him. John Newton uh, put it this way in a letter that I read last week. John Newton, the 18th century pastor and hymn writer. He was answering a friend who asked why life is so hard if we follow a God of life and love and joy. And he said, Methinks a believer would be ashamed to be so utterly unlike his Lord. What? The master, always a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief and the servant always happy and full of comfort. Jesus despised, reproached, neglected, opposed and betrayed and his people admired and caressed. He living in want of all things and they filled with abundance. He sweating blood for anguish and they strangers to distress. How unsuitable would these things be? How much better to be called to honour the, the, me- the honour of filling up the measure of his sufferings. Do it because it follows his path. Do it too, as he says in these final verses, wherefore well, for what Jesus promises to us. Earthly cost for eternal gain in the last verses. The remainder of the passage uh, makes it clear that although the path of following Jesus is a path of costly suffering and self-denial, it is the way of life and it is the way to glory. Verse 24. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Imagine a long-lost relative dies you never really knew and a lawyer appears and says, "Well, you've been left uh, something in their will." It's a cliff-top villa with a massive pool that sleeps 30 people. And as part of the will, uh, we are going to fly you and 29 chosen friends out for the most unimaginable party. There's all the funding you could want for a private jet to fly you out there, funding for any food and drink you could want to order, water sports, the best DJs, you name it. Everything and anything you want is yours, and the villa is yours. Yours forever. Fantastic. Oh, uh, one one small thing. Um, As part of the will, uh, when you arrive at the villa, you can only take up the villa if you eat this pill which will mean that you die in 24 hours time. Enjoy the party. Uh, ah, it <laughs> doesn't matter how amazing the villa is at that point. It is not worth 24 hours of party if you die immediately afterwards. I just wonder, do we realise how, how brief, how infinitesimally small our years of life on earth are compared with the, the eternity... That comes afterwards. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you could gain or be given or earn or enjoy in this world could make up for missing out on the eternity Jesus promises in the next. It seems madness to be willing to give up everything you have and are. But actually the true madness is to give up the certainty of the eternal life and paradise Jesus promises in the next life for, well, for a few short years on earth, enjoying whatever it is that I, by my strength, by my charisma, by my good looks, by my ability can get hold of. The things we struggle to give up for Jesus, they're all things we can't keep. Well, not for long anyway. A few decades is all the best of us manage in this life. Jesus, though, can give you unbreakable eternal life. So give your earthly life to serving him. Verse 26. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Now, verse 26 can be very uncomfortable words, uh, but let me offer some encouragement to those, those of us who feel a little bit condemned as we think of the times we have been ashamed of Jesus and failed to, to speak up for him or even admit to being a Christian. The word used for deny in verse 23 a little bit earlier is the same as the word used in Luke 23 for Peter's denial of Jesus. It is possible to be ashamed of Jesus and to, to totally fail on this and yet be forgiven and restored as Peter was. See, Jesus' earthly mission was to go to the cross to die because he knew he would fail. Not just his other commands, but these commands too. Come back to him and you'll find forgiveness. There's a warning in these verses, but also a promise. The warning is, don't be ashamed of Jesus in spite of the cost. The promise, the promise is eternal life and glory. The glory of the Son of Man, the the great divine ruler with universal authority from Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 7. A glory that the disciples will glimpse in a few verses time as Jesus is transfigured on the mountaintop and his heavenly glory is revealed. Glimpsed in the transfiguration and a glory that is guaranteed in his resurrection. As we see the down payment, the certainty that this this eternal, unbreakable life he speaks of is is not just a a vague hope, a promise, a campaign pledge he can't deliver on. No, he is already alive, enjoying unbreakable, eternal life. It's guaranteed in his resurrection, that glory that he promises to you and to me. But let me close by saying it's not just about delayed gratification. The phrase, live your best life now, sadly, it's been taken over by um, people who peddle the lie that if you follow God, you'll be rich in this life. But the phrase itself is a biblical phrase. To follow Jesus is to live your best life now. You see, it's not just misery now, but don't worry, in a few short years, there'll be paradise to come. It might seem an odd thing to say, but there is a wonderful freedom about giving up your life for Jesus now. A wonderful joy. This is real life. It is the best, the fullest, the freest way to live. How can I say that? Uh, speaking uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the start of um, the, the sort of coronavirus outbreak with one of the young medics. And he was saying that... Um, that a number of his colleagues uh, were, were basically saying, we oh, yeah, are not going into work, I'm going to claim I need to self-isolate, because they, they were just afraid. And he said, he said to them, hang on, isn't, isn't this what we signed up for? But the truth is that they didn't want to go in and serve as doctors because they were afraid that they might die. They might get the disease and die. I mean, we all want to live lives that are meaningful. We all want to be courageous. We all want to make a difference. But if it'll cost you your life, well, how differently you live when you know that there is an unbreakable eternal life waiting for you after this life ends. When you know that there is the riches and wealth of the God who created the universe on offer. I mean, there's a, there's a planet called uh, 55 Cancri E, which is a solid diamond. Jesus made that. It's his. And he made the whole universe and he's going to share his riches with us. When you know all of that awaits you, how free you are to act, to risk, to give, to love, to serve in this life now. In giving up our lives to follow Jesus, we become the people God intended us to be. Generous, courageous, open-handed, open-hearted. We can do all those things because we know that he will give us eternal life. It is a better way to live than the the shriveled, self-obsessed shell we become when, narcissus-like, we focus in on me and my needs. In other words, In giving up ourselves, we know the freedom to become more like the God who has made us in his image. This week, uh, the evangelist and apologist, Ravi Zacharias, died. And he said these words about Jesus, which really struck me as I was preparing this talk. I came to Jesus because I did not know which way to turn. I remained with him because there is no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have. I remain with him because I have something I will not trade. I came to him as a stranger. I remain with him in the most intimate of friendships. I came to him unsure about the future. I remain with him certain about my destiny. Whoever loses their life for Jesus will save it. To deny ourselves and to go the way of the cross will never be an easy path for any of us but it is the way that keeps us away from the destructive dangers of proud self-sufficiency. It is the way that keeps us drawing closer and closer to the Jesus who walked this path before us and calls us to follow him from heaven. See, the, the very struggle of living this way keeps us drawing closer and closer to the one who has walked this way before us, to the one who gave up his life and now lives forever, to the one who is life And joy and peace, and to the one who is preparing for you an eternal paradise. Let's pray. Our Father God, none of us wants to give up our lives, none of us wants to deny ourselves, none of us wants to take up our cross, but we pray that you would help us to look to Jesus and to see all that he gave up for us, and to see all that he has won because he gave it up. Help us to to see in his resurrection to see in his ascension to heaven, the certainty that anything and everything we give up to follow him will be richly rewarded with the unbreakable eternal life in the paradise kingdom to come. And so help us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. Amen.